you are listening to the Spiritual Warrior Coach with Barbara Sabin, the podcast for discovering how powerful your wisdom, compassion, and courage is. Get ready to join Barbara and her guests as they explore and offer you advice on how to reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. And now, here's the host of the show, Barbara Sabin. Well, thank you for joining me today and welcome. I am Barbara Savin, your spiritual warrior coach, and I am here to help you reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. And for those of you that that do not know me, I am a certified clinical and medical hypnotherapist, Reiki master and teacher, energy healing specialist, life coach, and best-selling author of Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. You know, I have been helping my clients for over 35 years, and the older I get, hmm, the more wisdom seems to come through. So isn't it time that you believe in yourself? You know, your mind is going to provide you with your greatest challenges in life because it's so very, very powerful. So let's use it for positive thinking, creating harmony, balance, peace, love, happiness, and anything else that your heart desires. Because one day, the world will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is your time to shine. You know, I love to begin my podcast with an inspirational story. And this one is called Soar Like an an Eagle. So did you know that an eagle can foresee when a storm is approaching long before it breaks? And instead of hiding, the eagle will fly to some high point and wait for the winds to come. And when the storm hits, it sets its wings so that the wind can pick it up and lift it above the storm. And when the storm rages below, the eagle soars way above it. And the eagle does not escape or hide from the storm. Instead, it uses the storm to lift it higher. So the moral of the story is, when the storm of life and challenges, they hit us, we need to rise above them, just like an eagle. And don't be afraid of the storms or the challenges in your life. Use it to lift yourself higher in life. So I hope that you enjoyed this story. So now my special guest is, and I'm going to actually bring her here in view, Hi, <laughs> is Wendy Friesen. She's a master medical hypnotherapist. And Wendy is a worldwide leader in creating rapid change for life's difficult problems. And since 1994, her site at Wendy, wendi.com has influenced the lives of millions worldwide and brought insight, wisdom, and spiritual growth to people in need. Wendy has actually created over 300 programs on audio and video that will teach you how to really use your brain. And the programs lead you through a process of changing your brain's habitual and compulsive thoughts that prevent them from being happy. So welcome, Wendy. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. I loved your Eagle story. That was so great. It just made me hear that song that I think is one that my dad used to sing. When you walk through the storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dawn, the dark. uh, Dawn or dark, (laughs) one one of them, yeah. And then at the end of the tunnel, there's a light. And yeah, it's it's a, um, we have to not be afraid. Yeah, my father was a preacher when I was growing up and he would sing hymns around the house. That was just his entertainment for himself. And um, if I sing a hymn that he used to sing, I, mm, I just get so choked up because it's that spiritual connection. It's like he's in me when I sing it. So yeah, it's, it's pretty special, uh, but yeah, it was quite an interesting upbringing to, to believe that everybody believed in God. I believe that everybody, it was non-negotiable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my mom played the organ at church. My sister played the piano oh. and Bible study was at our house. And I went to youth group. It was just a hundred percent, you know, church and spirituality. 
quite so interesting. Grew up with that was it. Must have been beautiful though. It was. I'm glad that I had that kind of childhood so that it mm-hmm. gave me something that was, you know, a real good focus. Um, now I, you know, I go to some of the churches now and then, not a lot, but my beliefs are um, more spirituality than the one God and the tenets of religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am that way too. I, we, we grew up Jewish and um, my grandma was a healer and she would always um, talk to me about God and not just that, but, you know, uh, my angels, archangels, spirits, and, and everything else. And so even though we were Jewish, I truly believed in um, archangels and angels. And I know they're, they're everywhere because I also, when I do my healing work, I could feel them. You know, so I, I grew up with being Jewish, but more, more spiritual than anything else. And Yeah, and doing hypnotherapy, you have these spiritual experiences that may not be about God, but they're about our connection to all the spiritual energy and power and everything else. And we have experiences as hypnotherapists uh, because we're, we're in a quiet room. Maybe there's some little soft music playing. We're connected with our client. There's nothing to distract us. And it is such an intensely satisfying connection to have that. And sometimes um, I've had voices from other places that came in and gave me some information, mm-hmm. which is always like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's really something. Um, some of it is really moving because it makes us not be so stuck in this physical world and the physical beliefs that there is something more. Oh, there is with, without a doubt. I know as a child, I used to, um, have a lot of, um, spirit um what they used to you know like make believe um little things you know walking around <laughs> and my mom would always tell me this is your imagination who are you talking to and I t- I would tell her don't you see them and hear them you know so yeah you know and 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 the thing is um uh I I really feel in my heart a lot of children now have a, a lot of that going on and um you know, of course, a lot of them are afraid of it, but it, it's important for us to embrace it. And for the parents to know that, you know, the, the little ones that they may be talking to that you don't see, that it could very well be real. Yeah, for sure. And I guess um, the indigo child is kind of part of that spirituality and that higher knowledge and wisdom. Yeah, it's, it's quite different, but don't, yeah, don't make it a make-believe child. Go ahead and just listen to what they have to share with you about it. Oh yeah. You know, I had a lot of make, you know, make-believe friends. <laughs> so <laughs> they were very interesting. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so let me, let me ask you, you know, uh, uh, can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? You know, where did you grow up and how did you get into hypnosis and everything else that you do? Yeah. Well, my dad was in Kansas and a family of five and then the whole family, he moved us out to California and then in the valley in Kingsburg, California, a little tiny town with about 2,000 people, he had a little church there. And that's the church that he, and he's an artist as well. So he taught me to be very artistic and creative and whatever he wanted to do business-wise, he just figured it out and did it. He wanted mm. to be a glass blower. So he taught all five of his kids how to blow glass in wow. the garage. I mean, we were little kids with torches and molten glass. Wow, so then he, he took that to the fairs in the summer and he had built a booth. He built everything himself. He had no idea how to do any of this, but he just figured it all out. And it turned into a really big business that ended up being big kiosks in the middle of malls at Christmas. And that was up in Canada because the economy was so good. And he would take one of his kids and put them in the Edmonton mall and one was in the Calgary mall. And what we all had to work for six weeks. <laughs> Everybody but worked. Uh-huh. We only worked for six weeks for the whole year. That was wow. it. Wow. Yeah. So he was a smart guy. But what this did, this gave me a foundation of how you do business. Like a lot of people get really scared to venture out into their own business because they think there's so many things they have to prepare and it's too hard and they don't know what they're doing. Well, my dad didn't know what to do. He just learned along the way. I understood that if you want to open a business, you just do. <laughs> you just, you just decide, do it. 
and do it. And uh -huh. I've opened many businesses. I, I did um, start my own glass blowing business and I sold wholesale to stores and I went and found sales reps because that's what you do. And they sold to stores and I had 900 stores at one point. Wow. And then I got into, I opened a tanning salon. I didn't know anything about tanning salons and I opened a second one and hired people. I didn't know anything about and it went great for many, many years. But anyway, the, the tanning salons were closing because people weren't tanning anymore in the um, uh, late eighties. And so I was not, I hadn't been making any money because business was going downhill. And I was reading the classifieds in the Sacramento Bee. Why? I don't know. I never did that. Just that one day. And there was an ad that said hypnotherapy school. And it was just a mm -hmm. tiny little four line text ad. Nothing else there. Why? Why did I find that? I don't know anything about hypnotherapy. Nothing. Mm -hmm. so, so I called them up and the teacher said it starts tonight. <laughs> Wow. And it's five days a week. Uh, so it's pretty intensive amount of time. And it's like $3,500. And I said, well, I don't have any money. And she said, well, just come to the first three classes for free, you know, see what you think. So the first night I went there, I was like, my mind was blown. It wasn't something so spectacular that was done, but just feeling like this is for me. I'm supposed to be here. This is a phenomenal experience of what I'm going to learn and just feeling like I fell in love with it right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So that, and then I began seeing clients and stuff, but I was still really, really broke. And um, I had two kids. I was a single mom and had two little kids and my ex didn't pay child support because <laughs> he didn't want to. Um, but anyway, it was really difficult. It was a very dark time for me and I got really depressed and um, just, oh, just laid on the couch a lot. <laughs> wow. So yeah. you, you learned hypnosis at that time or? Yeah. And I was seeing a few clients here and there, but I hadn't gone like gangbusters and they didn't have money to open an office. And so some people came to my house, which was kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I went through my own personal negativity and the things that were holding me back. And I did the processes on myself that I would do with clients, which is finding the positive intention for wanting to be poor. And I just made an assumption that there's a part of me that wants me to be poor. Okay. So I talked to that part and, and the part said, I said, why do you need me to be poor? And the part said, I need you to be pitiful. And I said, what? I just said, thank you. And then I said, even deeper, why do you need me to be poor? And the part said, I need you to be more pitiful. And this was not coming from me because mm -hmm. I don't have a pitiful place in my belief system. But anyway, and I said, why do you need me to be more pitiful? And the part said, because then someone will rescue you. Now, you could not have convinced me that I had an agenda running to be rescued because mm. that's not me. You know, I'm just not that person, even as bad as things were. So then I worked with the part and released that agenda. And I then did some timeline work going into the future, six months and one year in the future. And I'm seeing all these clients and people that are so happy and so grateful. And I'd written a book and everybody loved my book. And I was doing so well. And at that moment, a year in the future, it, I just heard that I had made a million dollars in sales of programs, I guess, that I'm going to be creating. But it was really interesting. There was a very big spiritual awakening that happened. That's usually is year, what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And one year later, I had a lot of amazing clients. I was traveling all over the place, speaking at conferences and selling a lot of, they were cassette tapes back then, but selling a lot of products and CDs then kind of, but um, yeah, the business, the online business of selling things made $1,012,000 in sales. Wow. Which is weird because that's almost exactly the amount that you heard. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I always say we need to listen to that voiceless voice because it always, it always steers us in the right direction. And then that's where the choice comes in. We can either listen or not listen, you know, do what it says or not do what it says. 
And then, and then all of a sudden, then we say, I, I knew I should have done that like five years ago, whatever it may be. So yeah, it, it's important that we really listen. And it, it's funny, you know, I've been following you for quite many years. Um, probably at least, I'd have to say maybe 15. Yeah, well, I started yeah. 27 years ago. Right, so, okay. Yeah. So I would say about 15 years ago is when I was searching and your name popped up. And I was looking for some really good scripts mm-hmm. um, for one of my clients that was very challenging. And, and I really uh, you know, did my best to really help them energetically. And it was working, but I said, all right, I, I need to use some hypnosis, but I need a real someone that really writes very well that I can, you know, uh, do this for them. And your name popped up wow. and I, I bought the script. I think it was the self-confidence one that, that you wrote. And I was amazed at how well that worked. And oh. I said to myself, all right, this is a lady I need to always follow. And cool. so it's, it's been a long time that I've been following you. Wow. That's really, oh, that's so cool. I'm really honored. I started using Terrence Watts scripts. He's from London uh-huh. at the very beginning when I was brand new and I would have my client close their eyes and get all relaxed. And then I would very quietly pull the script. out of. The- <laughs> I didn't want them to know. Exactly. <laughs> I would, I would, I would do some things that were my own creation, but I read his scripts. So I would get the real foundation of someone who's really, really good. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's a lot of where it came from, but I'm also a really creative writer as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then I think a lot of the material in the scripts, I didn't write them first. I would be doing a session with a client and I'd record it. And there was just so many things that came from some divine inspiration and then they, uh, my staff would transpose them and type them out. Oh yeah, it's amazing. I, I know when, for myself, when I do hypnosis and I, I usually follow somewhat of a script because I, I listen, you know, we usually sit down and for a half hour, I write everything that they need. And I always use their words back to them so that this is what they really want. But then all of a sudden my eyes close and I'm off somewhere else. And it's amazing how spirit speaks to us and gives us the exact things that that person needs to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because sometimes a client will, after the session, they'll say, you know, how did you know? How, Mm -hmm. you know, because we're getting information that's below that conscious awareness Mm -hmm. or above it or around it. (laughs) Yeah. It's quite something. I've had, some really nice spiritual experiences with my clients where we know like at one point I was describing that this woman was holding a book with a brown leather cover and it had this and these letters on it and I just I just described because I thought well let's let her hold a book or something I don't know mm-hmm. it just came to me but afterwards she said how did you know I was holding the book I was holding that book like in my hands the entire session and you wow. described the What's book you described what was on it and when you opened the pages and everything. And I was like, wow, that's something, but yeah, we gotta, we gotta let that inspiration in. And the way that we can let it in is by having our time that is quiet where everything else is quiet. So mm-hmm. I used to record my programs in my closet. It was a walk-in closet because the guy from a radio station said, if you have a walk-in closet, that's the perfect environment to deaden the sound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's all quiet in there and I'm feeling really safe and cuddly and snuggly. (laughs) And I would, I didn't write a script for any of it. I just let it flow. And if any of you can get that experience for yourself, it is magical. If you can find a really quiet place with no other interruptions and let yourself record stuff. Oh, it's great. It is. And, and, and a, a lot of people need to get, get in touch with themselves. I feel, you know, there's so, everything is so hectic and busy, but I really feel this past year with COVID and everything allowed us to just step back a little bit and to think, what yeah. is it that we really need to do? What do we want? Um, and I mean, it, it was a rough year for all of us. I mean, I, I didn't have any business oh. what's at all. I mean, it was hard, 
But, you know, again, I, for myself, I, I, I trusted and I said, all right, this too shall pass. And then something will then, you know, manifest itself. Mm -hmm. And I kept on thinking positive instead of being a victim of this situation. I kept mm -hmm. on saying, no, this is, you know, I, I know there's a bigger plan. So was your business the same, you know, that it's sort of, but you yeah, do a lot I, of online though, right? I do. I do. It's gone, to, it's gone downhill quite a bit. Like as of 2008, when the economy tanked, my business, um, I, I had a lot of balls in the air. I had 18 full-time staff at that time. And, um, and my expenses were very high and contracts, advertising contracts, leases, equipment leases, all this stuff. So when 2008 happened and people quit buying, I had to close the office and mm -hmm. I lost a lot. Yeah, it was really sad, but, um, you know, continued to sell things. And this last year, things have definitely slowed down a little bit because a lot of people maybe aren't working or mm -hmm. they're not quite as um, engaged in doing something about mental health. I'm not sure why, but maybe it's just like an overall depression that people are having, you know, cause this is like really messed up. <laughs> Everyone has the same energy mm -hmm. that we're sharing of possible doom and gloom and fear of being close to someone or touching someone. Exactly. And we're all sharing that energy vibration. Isn't horrible. that horrible? It's, it's awful. And I tell everyone, you know, no one's taken away your freedom. You can still go out. Why are you so afraid of something that has a less than what one percent chance of getting? I actually had COVID last year. Oh, wow! And uh, wasn't it wasn't easy? It was uh, very challenging. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I take care of myself, and uh, you know, um, my daughter had it, then my husband had it, then I had it. So oh, wow. it was like just like that, and unfortunately. I ended up getting it uh, worse than than everybody else, but um, I survived it. You know, we all survived it, thank God. And wow. um, you know, I tell everyone, you have to stop being afraid. Otherwise, how can you live? You know, everybody is so afraid to even go near someone, and it's it's not good. You know, it's um, it's scary. Yeah. So my video's frozen right here. I hope you can. Oh yeah. I see that. Oh, can you hear me though? Oh, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then we'll just continue. Um, okay. I'll leave you a space for the edit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when I've done some experiments, um, when I've had like a group of people, there was one in New York that I had 35 people that were with me for three days. And at the end of the three days, we did an experiment about sending our thoughts to people in the room so we took two people and put them in the middle of a circle in two chairs and the rest of us stood around them uh, in a circle and I would write on a whiteboard what I wanted them to feel and think and send to the people in the middle we did this 13 times mm -hmm. and there was a different uh, suggestion on the whiteboard each time and we also changed out the people who were in the middle a few times. So there were different people we we're sending it to. So the people standing up would send a thought that was like one of them was a dark alley. So they would feel that whatever it is for them, imagine it and silently send it to the people in the middle. And then there was like a warm beach and there was a roller coaster, things like that. Then when the people in the middle, when I would ask them, I said, what did you experience? And of course I had erased the board at that point and they nailed it every time, except for one, we did this like 30 different experiences, maybe mm. they nailed it every time there was like one that didn't get it. And it just proved to me that our thoughts are things, but they're more than things. They are influencing the world around us. They're influencing people there. We're sharing those thoughts and that energy. So with COVID for the last year, all the thoughts that everyone is thinking, all the emotions and the fear and the confusion about what's going to happen, we're all sharing that and we're absorbing it. Yeah, with, without a doubt we are. And that's why I, I, I always tell everyone, we need to think, you have to think positive and you have to put good thoughts out there because then collectively we can change this energy. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. We need something that's hopeful. And we were just getting there. We were so close like a month ago. <laughs> Things are feeling so hopeful. And now so even on this island, on the big island has been so safe and so few cases for a whole year. And now it's really bad. <laughs> so, yeah, because I know you're in Hawaii. And yeah. for some reason, I don't I, I just noticed you're still frozen on my um I know, um, I don't know what yeah. Well, you are so many thousands of miles away. You're you're in Hawaii. Okay, let's see if you come back on. Um Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> <Much better. laughs> We're back. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're in Hawaii and, and, it, and it's actually, uh, they have a lot of COVID uh, cases again. They do now. They didn't it just with this fourth wave, it just started happening. We were, we had like always just single digits pretty much there would for the whole Island. It would be like five or four or something. Now it's like 1200. And this just happened in like the last week where it's, it's just skyrocketing. Wow. It's sometimes I wonder if, if it's that or bad flu or bronchitis or something else other than that, but yeah. you mm -hmm. know, we don't know, but uh, we're getting back to hypnosis. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what's well, one of the things, you know, hypnosis does help your immune system and certainly having a expectation of health and having an expectation of longevity mm -hmm. changes your cells. It changes the length of the telomeres on your cells, which dictate how long you're going to live there. So there's a lot to what we're holding on to as far as our expectation. Well, I know the hypnotherapy when, um, and this was about 30 years ago, uh, I actually was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And the doctor said to me, you, you will be crippled just like your mom. And that did not go over well. And there was a lot of choice words there given to him. But um, I then sought out hypnosis and had the person help me with seeing the cells in my body, everything clearing itself from this arthritis and that it would com be completely gone. It did take just about I think it was maybe over a year. So I did hypnosis in conjunction with meditating and me doing energy healing on myself. And a year later, I took another blood test, went back to him and he said, oh, this doesn't look right. And I said, so well, what's the matter? <laughs> he said, uh, there must be a mistake because I don't see any you know, arthritic uh, of rheumatoid arthritis. Right. Said, and it wasn't a mistake. I says the power of the mind can actually heal it, the body. And if your journey is to heal, you will heal. If the journey is, as you know, the, the illness, what is it that we need to learn from the illness itself? Yeah, a lot of it does have to do with something emotional that is fueling the, in your case, the arthritis or whatever the issue is. I know I, um, I was diagnosed about three, four years ago with Hashimoto's and, um, which is a thyroid disorder. And the doctor said, you can never get rid of it. It never goes away. You'll have the antibodies forever. So now I'm in Hawaii and they tested for it again. And she said, you don't have Hashimoto's. And I said, how could that be? Yeah. She says, I don't know, but you don't have it, but I'm never getting rid of it. What I did though, I, I took, um, in addition to my own mental work and, you know, some trance work, I took some medicinal mushrooms because there's some of the mushroom extracts that are really good for those things. And I also used red light therapy and red light therapy I bought a really big panel that you hang on the door. And after I took my shower every day, I'd stand in front of my red light panel and I'd turn and I'd do some lunges and I'd just you know do some things for 20 minutes. And red light therapy has a lot of proof about what it does to your thyroid to heal issues. So we can, we can heal them, you know, maybe we need a little help by looking at some of the alternative things that can physically support our body's um, healing, uh, you know, ability. Sure. But yeah, the, the mushrooms have been really amazing. I take um, a blend that's for your brain right now. And I'm 64. So there are some things that naturally it's hard to come up with certain words <laughs> or yeah. things or whatever, right? So I've been taking this little mushroom powder every morning. And I realized that <laughs> I know everybody's name. 
I can tell you, you know, anything, anyone, uh, things, whatever I need, it just pops into my head just like that. The wow. things are there. It is an amazing difference. And people in all the reviews for these mushrooms, they um, talk about that happening. They said, that's weird. I can just remember everything now. Remember everything. <laughs> wow. What's the, what's the name, if you don't mind just giving it? Maybe I should give it to my husband if he can't remember anything. <laughs> yeah, this is. Uh, the company's name is Primal Her Primal Herb, but H E R B. Yes, I've heard of them. Mm -hmm. huh? And the one I'm taking is called Neuro Shroom, so N E U R O Shroom, and it's a combination of three of them. But yeah, I just ordered another kind of theirs for liver health. Mm. So yeah, I'm just keep my liver nice and healthy. Oh yeah. We need to keep our whole body healthy and, yeah. and eat well and, and take care of us because how are we supposed to help others if we can't take care of ourselves and respect? I know. Them? And you know, Barbara, there's a lot of hypnotherapists out there who live pretty crappy lives and they've got really bad attitudes. <laughs> and they're, not, they're not practicing it. So when I first got into this in 2000 or no, 1994, in 1994, the only conference really was the NGH. And I went to the NGH mm -hmm. and it was a bunch of fat old men. <laughs> I think I may have been there at that time. Yeah, that was in New York City or one of one or Chicago New, was someplace. New England somewhere. New, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. New Hampshire. New See, Hampshire. I can remember New Hampshire. Duh. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> so I was, said New York, so I was close. <laughs> a bunch of fat old men that smoked cigarettes and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, they were just the watch swinger guys, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was felt, I felt so out of place because I was young and I was female and everything. And they didn't have very many female speakers because they didn't really appreciate no. the female gender. <laughs> And that's all changed, of course, but it was just really weird that that's, these are my colleagues. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. You would think they need to take care of themselves, you know, especially if they're doing weight loss on someone. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. you, you need to yeah. really look the part, you know, but, uh, so, so well, why don't you do something about well, it? Yeah. And that's they, weren't, it. they weren't enlightened. They didn't have any spiritual side or anything. So the second year I got to speak. Um, because I was developing a decent following and stuff. And so I, I spoke and people really liked it and everything. And then um, Kevin, who was on the board, later told me, he says, you know, this is kind of amazing and kind of sad, but you got the most votes for speaker of the year. And they give out the award the next year, he said, but they won't give it to a woman. <gasps> oh, yes. wow. Yes. He said, so I just, I want you to know that you're speaker of the year, but they're not going to give it to you because you're a woman. And then the next year when I was at the conference, the room that they gave me for my speech was mm -hmm. so small so that I couldn't fit people in there. So they couldn't vote for me again because I could only fit like 30 people. There was a hundred people in the hallway trying to get into wow. my speech. And they did that on purpose because they didn't want me to get the exposure Wow. Anyway, I just, I mean, the NGH is different now. I'm sure it's evolved a lot and all those funny old men are mostly dead, but it's so sad. What a difficult way for me to get into this profession and go like, wow. and I, I don't mind talking about it now. It's all true. I didn't make any of it up. And, and we all know that there is sexism in every facet of our lives. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it just was a thing, but I'm so grateful that this profession now is like that isn't even oh, yeah. a possibility of no. being sister. And I think a lot of clients actually uh, seek out women more mm -hmm. so than they do men mm -hmm. for some reason. Yeah. And the quality of the hypnotherapists now, not, most of them are people who want to continue to educate themselves and be better at what they do. We share with each other so mm -hmm. much just to help each other get better. Right. And the the knowledge and the processes have just like snowballed because of all of our colleagues being so generous to share and yeah. to help each other. And isn't that the greatest thing about it, this? It is because I've, I've actually asked a few of them for like little help here and there. And without a doubt, with no hesitation, they gave me information. And I said, wow, if th this was years ago, that would not happen. 
Yeah. Oh no, it wouldn't. They're very no. secretive back then. Very. Yeah. Secretive. So I'm, I'm grateful. Um, Kevin Hogan was the one that was on the board back then. And he was really, really helpful. He was one of the guys. And then um, Terrence Watts, he was there for yes. me all the whole time, Steve Parkhill and Jerry Kine. Mm -hmm. you know, and Steve learned from Jerry, Steve Parkhill would spend hours with me on the phone, helping me with client stuff. Isn't that nice when they do that? <sighs> Amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's good karma. Yeah, it's a good profession. If you're yeah. looking to get into it, there's there are some really good people you can learn from. Oh, yeah, including one is you. So you know. <laughs> now, what, what kind of programs are, are you doing, you know, online now? Well, I, I have a lot of them. One is that one favorite is the financial abundance program, which is my personal journey and how I used my hypnosis to get myself out of the pitiful state and into the belief that I deserve it, but also kind of the cosmic woo-woo part mm -hmm. that kept happening and happening. Um, and it's, once you get the negative beliefs out of the way, you can then create and manifest some things that should come to you. But a lot of people don't know that they have all these negative beliefs because they're hidden from you usually. So that one is really awesome. And then the addiction work, I, because of my oldest son who had been in rehab five times, <laughs> um, he would tell me what goes on in the rehabs and why they don't work. And they don't, they have a five to 7% success rate, which is about the same as doing nothing at all. Yes. If you want to quit drinking or quit drugs. So he, he was a genius and a literal genius. He would tell me what was going on in the rehabs. And I said, come on, really? They're telling you these things. So the first one he went to, um, uh, and he was, he and a few other guys were leaving in a few days. And the director said to them, remember that in 30 days, only one in 12 of you will still be clean and sober. Now, from a hypnosis perspective, that asshole, I yeah. paid, that was a $25,000 rehab that I paid for. He just implanted a belief yes. that they are going to fail. Yeah. And then one of the really big rehabs that he went to, they had a way of having like almost 100 people in their rehab. Um, but anyway, the director brought me in because he'd heard I was a hypnotherapist. And he sat down with me and Ryan said, you know, our success rate is really low here. We want to see if we can increase it. Maybe you can help us with hypnotherapy. I said, oh, yeah. And he said, our success rate is only about five or six percent. Wow. And I had just written him a check for $33,000. They are knowingly taking this amount of money all over the world from people knowing mm -hmm. that their success rate is about 5%. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, yeah. And I, I like to make sure people understand this before they start down the road I did of about $150,000 of money spent on rehab until I finally got it. And then I created a program that is for addiction freedom. It's for either alcohol or drugs. And the cool thing is about this using hypnosis, like when I mentioned going into the future, like taking yourself a year into the future, I do that with the drug and alcohol program because I want you to fall in love with yourself a year from now because you're doing something that matters and something you're passionate about and something you love and to absorb that feeling and let your brain create these memories that are all about what you love and how it's been so easy for you to get healthy and strong and in control. So then our brain changes from those negative memories and fear and everything else and uh, addiction to the things you want. And it just, it just works and works. And that's not the only thing. I mean, there's a ton of sessions in it, but just that one starting point has changed people so much. Like this one guy, <laughs> he was 45 years old. He says, I'm a fat slob drunk. That's all I've ever been. Everybody knows I'm a fat slob drunk. I don't do anything. I have a case of beer a day that I drink. <laughs> it's a lot of beer. <laughs> That's all I am. So he says, so here's the problem. I listened to your program. I was in the future and I was an athlete in the future. This makes no sense. I saw myself as a really high level athlete and I don't know why, because I would never, I would never do that. <laughs> And I said, well, I don't know. I don't know why that would be happening, but 
you know, just let it be there for now and continue with the program. So 45 years old, he quit drinking, right? Like the third day of listening. And then he says, um, I started training when I trained for Ironman. Now he has been, uh, he's been all over the world in Ironman competitions, including. Wow. How, how does brain do that? And for not just for people who are struggling with addiction, but for all of us, think about what happened to his brain in that future moment and to his body and his soul, his cells chose a new cellular memory. I just got chills. Oh, I know. Uh, It's like, (laughs) his cells chose to implant a new memory in in each cell. And as the cell dies off, it hands off the cellular memory to the new cell. So now it's handing off a different cellular memory, which is like, ah, I just, I got to get out there and go for it. Mm -hmm. I got to do this because I want to feel that. (laughs) That's it's, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. It is. It is probably, yeah, he probably would have never have thought that would have ever happened. It would never have happened. Never mm-hmm. have happened. And he even said, he says, you know, three months later after your program, um, there was still a six pack of beer in my fridge. I didn't even know it was there. He said, so I opened a beer and I poured it in a glass and looked at it and went, huh. <laughs> then he poured it out. And he poured it out. Yeah. Wow. But it wasn't a thing. It wasn't a struggle like AA makes you go through or, yeah. you know, the 12 step thing is all this struggle. Well, so my good. first addiction client was a man named Sonny, who was a meth addict. And I thought, oh, I, who am I to help someone with addiction, you know? Mm-hmm. But I decided to, and he did really well. And um, he came to see me like every week for a couple months, but he came back in my office about six months later and he is holding a yellow silk rose, which I still have. And he gave it to me and he said, I have my family back and my kids I'm with my wife and we have a family and I haven't done meth in six months and I know I'm not going to it's not it's not a thing it's because meth you know oh that's a tough one that's a tough one and it just brings tears to my eyes even now that there are so many people who have got to experience my methods of hypnosis with addiction that saved their lives there's a lot now that after covid my clients are drinking and every, I mean, it's like, what are you doing? You never did this before. Why are you, why yeah. did you start? Cause yeah, yeah, they're bored and who else knows, you know, what's going on in, in, in their lives. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. And the drug thing is difficult. So my, yeah. my oldest son, Sean, he came into this world to be my son, to teach me something that I am the best person for him to teach. And it was all about addiction. And he's he has an IQ like 150 something. And he's very charismatic and six foot four and gorgeous and everything else, but struggled with opiates and in and out of rehab. But he came here to teach me to do this work for mm-hmm. the world. For the world. Unfortunately, he overdosed three years ago, but Ooh. he completed his mission. And and as hard as it is to lose a child, I also want to look at it from the higher perspective that he was put here to do this through me and he accomplished it. And as a result, I don't know how many people all over the world who use my stuff, but, and to help them. <laughs> I was in Bali, I was in the hospital in Bali because I hurt my back and I'm, I'm on this stretcher in pain. And these two nurses come up and said, you're Wendy, you're Wendy. And I said, yeah. And they said, oh, Wendy, the doctor wants your autograph. I'm like, what? <laughs> Come on, I'm in Bali. Uh-huh. And then the MRI guy, when they took me to get the MRI, he says, oh, Wendy, he pulls out his phone and he starts flipping through all of these sessions of mine he has on his phone. He oh, says, I wow. listen to you every day, every day. And in Bali, I don't know, they can't afford my stuff, but they get them. And I think that's great. I'm grateful. But I just don't even have a clue, you know, how many people that have oh, been helped, but I'm so grateful that one little classified ad mm-hmm. and yeah this is it's amazing yeah and and you you know sorry to hear about your son and yeah yeah he was put here to to help you help others on a, a much of a, a, a bigger scale yeah and for the listeners even though Sean was going to different rehabs and failing 
it, it took many times for me to be open to the fact that it doesn't work because I thought it should work for that much money. It should definitely, they should know what they're doing. Um, but it took that many times for me to say, but this doesn't work. This is a effed up industry of lies and deceit and not disclosing the truth. Yeah. And it took that many times because I wasn't brave enough to decide to work on addiction issues until I really saw it in a big way from him. Wow. Yeah. Brave, brave lady. Yeah, but he just had one of those uh, one last time he was heading up to Montana and opiate addicts. Sometimes they just go like, okay, one last time. One, last, one last time. Yeah. I know. And when yeah. you shoot up heroin, it will be the best day of your life and the worst day of your life. And it's the best day of your life because it's the best you've ever, ever, ever felt. It's the worst day of your life because you will never forget how good that felt. Mm -hmm. And, and it'll make all your pain go away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have um, neighbors all around me here in Simi Valley that uh, their children overdosed. And it's, it's hard. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, you know. And, and you know, I, I have grandchildren and I tell them, don't let anyone tell you, oh, here, take this. You'll feel better yeah. I, because okay. you know what? That is the start yeah. of your downfall. Yeah. And always, you know, in, in your heart, tell yourself, I don't need this to feel good. No matter whether, whatever you're going through, you know, it's depression, stress, worry, or whatever it is, you know, and I know for myself, um, I, I don't go there at all. I've never gone there and I never yeah. will. And I, I'll be 73 next month. And I say to myself, mm -mm, I have too much to live for just to try something crazy like this. I yeah. mean, you know, but it's a shame because a lot of kids fall into that, um, you know, the peer pressure of it. And they don't think they're making a lifetime decision by taking one benzo pill or doing some, not, not shooting up, but doing some opiates that are in pill form. They mm -hmm. don't think about it as, okay, this is the end of my life. They're just like, oh yeah, I felt good. Let's get some more. My, um, one of my clients, like what I do now, well, not so much during COVID, but a client will fly in and we do four days together and we spend about five or six hours each day doing therapy processes. And then the, the time on their own, they're doing writing and different things. So a young man came to see me that was about 20 years old. He was a heroin addict and his mom came with him. So I got to talk to her after the sessions and stuff. And so I went through the work with him. And on day three, he was he, he like, he didn't look at you. He wouldn't make eye contact. And the tattoos on his arms were of all serial killer faces of serial killers. Oh. On his, arms. Mm -hmm. his mom was the sweetest thing. But anyway, um, I helped him. He quit. And on day three, when he came into the room, his eyes were lit up and he was in there. It's like you could see him. He, he got it and he came mm -hmm. alive. And unfortunately, I was talking to his mom many months later. I think it was about 10 months later said, how's he doing? And he said, he overdosed recently. He did oh. that one last thing. He says, oh, but she says, it's okay. You gave me the best 10 months with my son of his entire life. He was there. And we had more that happened in that 10 months that was full of love and connection than his entire life. His entire life. Why do you think they do it one more time? I mean, for the oh. life of me, I just don't understand when we get them where they need to go and they're happy and they, they, they're, they're finally getting jobs and they're, everything is good running good. And then they just do it again. And usually, uh, you know, as you, it's the last time they end up killing themselves. Yeah. Cause the fentanyl, they, you don't know what's in the yeah. uh, heroin now. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you have a, something goes wrong in your life. You're down, you're mad or something mm -hmm. and you know it's okay this will take it away it's just it's just one time just one time it's usually yeah. the last wow yeah but anyway it was still it's still a win if you're a parent of someone who is an opiate addict you know we can get past that and get them to have their life back and have it back in a way that's fulfilling and feels good and hopefully get the, them to not have that one last time one issue. Last time. And, 
Yeah, yeah. And I know part of what I do is that, like, it's not saying you'll never, never do this again. It's like, now you know from every cell in your body that you love the freedom you have and nothing can take that freedom away from you because that freedom is your strength and it's who you are now. And a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, you just know that freedom is still pulsing through your veins. And, and we attach a lot to the word freedom. Mm-hmm. So I think that helps with that, you know, with them thinking, nope, I don't want to give that up. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> So now let me ask you, uh, so your, your main uh, uh, programs are for addiction? Well, I still have a lot of them that I work with, but that's the one I'm passionate about that passionate I about people with the most. Yeah. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Yeah. But do you still do like, you know, your weight loss and sleep and worry mm-hmm. and stress and all that, all the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen clients online. I prefer to see them in person. And I was actually just getting ready to open up an office here in Kona so I could start seeing clients in person and then phew, things exploded. So uh, also we, with the golf courses, I love working with golfers. Mm-hmm. And so I want to have an office in the golf courses where I can go see the golfers. And um, it's just, that's a really rewarding not so painful part yeah. of life, you know. Mm-hmm. Although the golfers, when I work with them, they still end up going back to childhood trauma. <laughs> well, it's usually <laughs> something's preventing them from making that hole in one. So, you know. my dad and it's little league, and I'm seven uh-huh. years old, and he's yelling at me. <laughs> but you know, we have to let go of the past because. If we hold on to that energy and bring it into now, we'll never heal. Yeah. We'll never heal, you know, and stop being a victim of what was and and look at what you could do now. Yeah. And that's, yeah. yeah. It's, It's amazing. Like when we do let go of those things, whether you're an athlete or an addict or a mom who's stressed out or someone's just angry all the time we go back and we find those things that are still the triggers for it. And you still have those memories. They're so alive in your brain and they're still triggering you and in your body. And once we release them, life is just different. And, and like every golfer I've worked with has had to go back into doing some work with their self-esteem, their self-worth and things. And so one man came to my office at like 6.30 a.m. every day <laughs> before he went to the golf course because he wanted to go pro. Mm-hmm. 6.30, oh my God. And we did all these sessions. We released a lot of the trauma and the conflict and things like that. And he was his game was getting better and better and better. And then one of the sessions, the candles are lit. It's all quiet, a little music playing. And we got off track and just started talking about God. We never did a hypnosis session. We just talked about what God is or isn't and what it was like. And it was the most magical hour of both of our lives. <laughs> and he said, I had my very best game ever. Well, yeah. After we talked about God. Well, you know, uh, God, <laughs> I, I know for myself and I've been through a, a lot of ups and downs and, and I always, I always pray. I always pray to God. I, oh. I truly trust. I believe. I know he's always with me. He sends his angels. Um, I, I, you know, just a few days ago, I had a really bad fall that probably, honestly, when I think about how I fell, I should have probably either broke my shoulder or my leg or something. And it was like, while I'm falling, I could feel, and I know it's weird, I could feel those angelic wings just preventing me from really getting hurt. I did sprain my ankle. All right. So I had to wear a little uh, ankle uh, brace for a while, but it could have been really bad. And I, afterwards I sat and I said, thank you, God, because this could have been so bad, but with your help, it didn't happen. And then I just got injured a little bit, you know, just, just an ankle, but yeah, it, you know, and I ended up falling, went through my closet. I mean, I took the door off. It it was, I didn't even know how it even happened, but I sat and I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because yeah, you know, anything, 
you know, I could have had a, been in the, you know, hospital now and stuff, yeah. but yeah. You could have so, hit your head and died. Yes, well, exactly. And yeah. so, you know, I'm a big believer that, you know, God in whatever form he or she takes um, is always with us. Always. And prayer yeah. is so, it's so yeah. dear to my heart. Well, prayer is hypnosis and it's, it's infusing ourselves and our everything with the message of what we do want. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to do it because you're wanting to connect with something that's going to guide you and, and, you know, watch over you, help you feel safe and let you not live in fear. Mm -hmm. It is important. And doing yourself hypnosis every day is really important as well. So that you're setting your intention of what you want and what you want to create and how you want to show up in life. And I think all of us as hypnotherapists, we forget that sometimes. And we all have valleys that we go into and we help each other out, but it's, we're not superhuman. We're just, we're just still humans that stuff that happens in our world sure. still takes us down every now and then. Mm -hmm. And for me, times when I'm feeling stuck, <laughs> I'm like, and then I'll tell people, I go, oh, I'm so stuck right now. And I think, why did I do that? Don't do that. Don't tell yourself that over and over. Mm -hmm. Because then, yeah, you, we, that's what we're manifesting. It is. And oh, when I was so poor back then, um, oh, I told people, I just can't put one foot in front of the other. I cannot take another step. And I just, I'd lie on the couch, except for when I had to get my kids from school and get them a hamburger from Jack in the Box or whatever. But I said, I can't take another step. And my mantra was, I can't take another step. Yeah. So I was at a farmer's market and I was walking back to my car in the parking lot. And all of a sudden my walking slowed down, not intentionally, but just slowed down. And all of a sudden I just stopped and I was just standing there. I thought I got to get to my car couldn't figure out why I couldn't take another, another step. step. I told myself that so many times mm -hmm. that it actually manifested itself. And it did take me a bit of talking to myself saying, of course you can walk. Of course you can. It's, it's okay. You can get to your car, but how weird that we just can manifest that. So think about all of you listening, think about what you're saying repetitively to yourself. That is not only emotionally, affecting you but physically affecting mm -hmm. in your spirit you know that that just crushed my spirit to not have to take another step oh i know i know I, it's just like i have you know friends back east that said oh you'll never how can you write a book you're so brooklyn but <laughs> you know i believed in myself and i wrote a a, a book that was published immediately so wow. it, you know it, it it's i believe in me and that's all that matters. And I, you know, growing up, my grandma would always tell me, Baba Sita, she'd call me. She'd say, if anyone says anything negative to you, or if you think negative thoughts, take those thoughts, throw <laughs> them on the ground, stomp on them, but send them down with love and light and healing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still do it. I still do it. When, when I had, oh. you know, some people say, you're doing a podcast. What are you going to say? A, do a podcast on. I took those thoughts and threw it on the ground and said, I will do everything. I can do anything that I set my mind to do. Yeah. Because yeah. And yes. just saying that triggers all the memories in your brain that hold that same emotional mm -hmm. content. So it activates them because your brain is like a search engine. And if you do say, you know, I'm stuck or nobody's going to like me, or I just can't go on anymore. Your brain is going to be lighting up all the emotional memories that support that. And mm -hmm. it's going to get worse. So when you go to bed at night, Decide how you want to feel the next day, no matter what it is you're feeling today, when you're in bed at night, decide tomorrow. And of course, use positive words for all you listening. You know, it's, it's not, I'm not going to be sad. Don't do that. No, <laughs> <laughs> but say tomorrow, I'm going to wake up with more energy than today. I'm going to feel better. Now you're not going to say that this miraculous thing's going to happen and everything's going to be fine. But just give yourself the suggestions that when I wake up, I am going to feel better and I'm going to feel like my sense of purpose is starting to come back. And just let yourself fall asleep on that. And, and when you wake up, just notice, huh, the shower feels really good. <laughs> the, the air seems so beautiful. Maybe notice those things that your perception changed about.
Oh, yeah, we need to appreciate and be very grateful. Um, I know when I go to sleep, I, as my head hit, you know, lays on the pillow, I say, I will have a wonderful night's sleep. I will sleep soundly. And when I wake up in the morning, I will be very energized. And I say that to myself every night. Yeah. yeah. And I sleep soundly. I wake up fine. And I say, well, see, it's working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we need to think positive and say, you know, thoughts create your reality because, well, you know, the subconscious mind does not know if it's real or not real. So when we feed right. negative thoughts, right. it creates that reality for us. Yeah. And people listening may like know that cognitively they're like, oh yeah, yeah, of course you're right. But how many people are practicing it and actually right. doing it and putting it into practice daily? So when you have a negative thought or something that you say to someone else and say, oh, I just, you know what? I just can't do that anymore. I just, oh, I just feel like I'm never going to get my spark back or something like you're reinforcing it when you're talking to someone, right. but just stop yourself and take a breath and replace it with whatever you do want and say, no, you know what? It's going to come back. It'll come back. I'm going to, I'm going to feel that excitement come back. And then you just will all of a sudden you'll just go, wow, where'd that come from? Well, <laughs> but yeah, it, is it is so important true. to mm -hmm. really monitor our self-talk and how we berate ourselves. And we all do it, but we've got to catch ourselves and change it. Yes. Gently. Don't, and then don't beat yourself up. Like you say something negative and then you go, oh, damn it. Why did I do that? I'm such a <laughs> dork. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do it. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because we all think, you know, stupid stuff every now and then, you know, keeps in. But yeah, the thing is to know, all right, it was only for that moment. The next moment is not like that. So, yeah. yeah. You know, um, so I, I, in the last, like, couple months, I've had some down cycles a bit. And it has a lot to do with being so excited to make new friends and all the things. And then knowing that we're shutting everything down again and feeling like, oh no, all these, you know, it's nice people I got to know and stuff. And I, I felt myself kind of going down a bit. So I started a new broadcast thing. It's called, it's on locals, which is a, just a platform. It's not local to you, but it's just um, me making videos seeing a face on the screen which is mine making a video smiling and stuff has lifted my spirits extraordinarily so i've been making these videos a couple of them every day and it's like it doesn't matter if it's me or not but it's this woman that's smiling at me mm -hmm. well yeah <laughs> she's laughing and she cracks herself up mm -hmm. and and it has changed my mood so much and this is an example of how everyone should take a look at what is the energy around you? What are the faces looking like that you're talking to? Are they scared and moaning and groaning and, mm -hmm. you know, and just giving you more fear? Because we do share what it is that we're yes. getting from other people. So, yeah. So if you want to feel better, just start making videos. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> Uh, are they on Facebook or anything where I can see them or you're just making them um, for yourself? No, they're on, they're on locals. So the channel okay. is sleepwithme.locals with an S.com. So sleepwithme.locals.com. Haha. -ha. <laughs> one of the women on the island here, she doesn't know me very well, but she saw on Facebook, I posted a link to it. And she says, when we were at like lunch a few days ago, she says, you have a channel called sleep with me. That's terrible. What do you do on there? <laughs> hey, a sense of humor. Yeah, exactly. And so, you have a sense of humor. I mean, I've, I've been following you. You're really funny. I mean, you really are. You when I had my big whoa. office and all the employees, we used to make uh -huh. videos, uh, funniest videos. Like we tied up one of the the customer service people, Linny, we tied her up. They, they bound and gagged her in the storeroom and stuff and did this whole video about her. And we did a show that was um, this, the Chinese guy that worked there would disappear. He'd become invisible and appear again and all this. They made these amazingly entertaining videos. They were hilarious. Uh, well, Wendy, I cannot thank you enough. Tell everyone, my listeners, where they can buy your, your programs. Yeah, go to wendy.com. That's the place, W-E-N-D-I.com. If you don't find what you're looking for, 
just contact me through there because I probably have a program, but it's not on that site. It's on other sites, or I can just get, find it for you. I can make you a custom recording as well, if you like. Um, and if you want to <clears throat> see me being silly and weird and teaching you stuff on locals, <laughs> just go to sleepwithme.locals.com. You see, because I'm a hypnotist, so people sleep, right? Yes. Oh, and it's recorded. It's recorded in my bedroom. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Because the light's really good in here. I have a bay window right here. And so it's like good lighting, you know, I don't have to turn on lights. Oh, well, you see, you know, all the tricks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. I, I really appreciate this, uh, you coming. And um, again, it's Wendy, W-E-N-D-I.com. All right. So guys, check yes, her out because you. she's the real deal. Believe me. <laughs> Barbara, it has been so fun to get to know you. you and spend time. That's one of my favorite things about these podcasts is getting to know people on a deeper level. Because when would we ever have a chance to chat for over an hour? And yeah. No. So yeah, next um, I'll have you on my podcast and then I can get to know you better too. Ah, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, again, thank you so much, Wendy. So um, I want to thank everybody for listening. And um, I would like to leave you with these empowering words. You know, my purpose is to help you overcome your challenges and to encourage your healing and your success. So nurture and honor your dreams and desires so that you are able to manifest them. You know, you can't build a story of success if you give up. So the world is full of people who gave up and the world needs hope. So stand up and fight through your challenging moments and allow yourself to shine through the dark times and to be the difference in an indifferent world. So trust and believe in yourself. And I hope you enjoyed my podcast and my special guest and go on her website, wendywendi.com. So visit me at motivateyourlife.net. And uh, also my YouTube channel, Barbara Saban. I have a lot of grounding, sleep, relaxation, meditations for you. And, you know, subscribe to my YouTube, the podcast, the Spiritual Warrior Coach uh, podcast on YouTube. So again, thank you so much and have a beautiful day and week filled with love and with light. Love, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs>